Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. In our study here, we've done uh, several uh, different uh, messages. We've got, uh, I think, 26 is tonight. Um, but in verse 2 of chapter 3 in 2 Thessalonians, uh, there were two encouraging points that we saw, and I, and I just want to kind of recap those because I think they're uh, very important, very encouraging to, to remember. And number one was we need to remember uh, that we are each other's support in the spiritual battle. So we realize that we're all in a spiritual battle, but we have to remember that as the church, we are each other's encouragement in the spiritual battle. And I talked about in that message that oftentimes we run away from the help, we run away from the church uh, when we're going through a spiritual battle. And we think that it's, it's, it's better for us, that, that this is what's good for us right now. We just need some space. And that's exactly playing into the enemy's hands. Because again, we are each other's, spiritual, uh, each other's support in the spiritual battle. That's the way that God designed it. That's not man's way, that's God's way. And so when you're going through something, you feel attacked by the enemy, and you feel that natural pull to say, I think I'm just going to stay home. I think I'm just going to pull back. I think I'm just going to not go tonight, or I'm not going to go this week. I'm just going to, you know, kind of rest and, and, and not, I just need some time. You're giving in to the enemy. That's just the reality of it. Um, because again, the, the body of Christ is fashioned as our bodies are, put together, meant to stay together, not to be torn apart. Um, so number two was we need to remember our togetherness, therefore, and our unity also helps point the loss to Christ, and it leads to our spiritual victories. And so uh, in our unity, in our togetherness as the body of Christ, uh, the, the outside world looks and says, you know what, they've got something different going on there. They, they, they love each other uh, when they seem to be unlovable. They, they have hope when things seem hopeless. They are encouraged when, when, when circumstances are discouraging them. How are they doing that? Um, and again, our unity helps in all these things. And so um, let's pray, and we're going to move forward in this and see what God has. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, again, allowing us to be here tonight. We thank you for uh, the blessings that we have, uh, even in this temporal realm that we get to be in this cool place when it's really hot outside. Uh, we thank you for that, God. We thank you for um, just the opportunity to open your word tonight, and we pray that your word would go out. And it would accomplish what you want it to accomplish. That every single one of us would be ready to receive it. And that you would um, just have your will and way in our lives. Um, God, if there's someone here tonight that's, uh, that's lost. They, they have never put their faith in you. They've never surrendered their life uh, to you for salvation. I pray that even through this message, uh, they would see your love. They would experience what uh, you and you alone can offer. And that is that free gift of eternal life, Lord. And I pray they would accept it. Um, Lord, we pray that you would just move us as your people as well uh, to a closer relationship with you, a closer relationship to each other. Again, I pray that your word would do what you want it to do tonight. Lord, just use me as a vessel and be glorified in all of this. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 is where we're going to start. It says, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Now, when we look at a statement like this, we say um, Paul is absolutely 100% confident in this statement that he's making. He said, the Lord is faithful. And you, you consider that statement, you say, how can Paul make such a confident statement 
in the character of Lord uh, of the Lord because his confidence was in nothing else but in the character of the Lord. Paul, Paul didn't have confidence in himself. He didn't have confidence in man. He put all of his confidence in the character of the Lord. But in the case of the Thessalonians here that Paul is writing this letter to, their spiritual success, if you will, depended upon their response and their character to God himself. So when we say, why, why was Paul telling the Thessalonians at this point in time that God is faithful? Because he's about to encourage them with something. He's about to tell them something that's very important. And that's this, that God could and God would do what only he could and would do. And Paul here is reminding them, hey, you've, you've got to understand that God is faithful. He's going to do things that only he can do. One of the most profound blessings that we have as the children of God, when we look at our life and we say, man, God has filled us up with blessings. I've got, you know, my salvation. I've got eternal hope. I've got uh, a church family. I've got my family. I've got all these blessings in my life. But one of the most profound blessings that we have as a child of God is knowing without a shadow of a doubt, having absolute confidence that our Heavenly Father is faithful. Again, that's a profound blessing to, to, to get up this morning and know that, that no matter what happens, I still know that God is going to take me home if something happens to me. I, I know that God is still on the throne, that God is, is, is faithful in everything that he's promised and everything that he's said. It's a profound blessing. We think about this. God cannot fail. God cannot lie. Everything. Think about this. Every single word that he's given to us in, in, the, in the Bible is true, and therefore it's worthy of our absolute trust. God is faithful. I mean, think, think about all of the unstable or in, unstable things, uh, unstable things in, in our world today, even in our nation. I mean, it seems like we, weekly we read something in the news, we hear something, uh, whether it's local news or national news or world, world news, and it seems like there's so much... Uh, instability, and it seems like there's, there's so little uh, faithfulness in character. It's seen even in marriages, it's seen in relationships, it's seen uh, all over the place. And so for us as the children of God to know 100% God is faithful. He can't fail in that. There's not one day that God's going to say, well, I was, I, was, I was a little not faithful. God can't do that. Every day, he's faithful. Every day. And so when I, when I look at this, I think, man, what, what, is, what does this look like even in our life, in our daily life, when we're, we consider walking through real life? You know, we get up, we've got, sometimes we've got health problems. We get up, we go through a day, sometimes we've got problems at our job. Sometimes, sometimes we get up and we've got problems in our relationship. Sometimes we, got, we get up and we've got problems with our children. Sometimes it's not any of those things. Sometimes it's just we've got a problem an internal problem. We've, we've, we've got to struggle within. Whether it's in our mind or it's our heart or just, we are just struggling in our life. And so I, I want us to really grab hold of, of how important this truth that God is faithful. Again, Paul making this very clear, very confident assertion that God is faithful is, is important for us to gather. If you have your Bibles, you're going to turn there, you can. If not, it's going to be on the screen in Lamentations chapter 3 is Lamentations of Jeremiah. Of course, we know Brother Jaron even was mentioning him uh, this past week and talking about Jeremiah as the weeping prophet and, and, and what he was dealing with. He was the prophet uh, that God was using when he was telling the, the nation of Israel what, they were, what he was going to do 
as far as their, their judgment and their return to, the, uh, to the, the, uh, the land of Israel as they were in the captivity uh, with, the Babylon, uh, with, with the Babylonians. And so this, uh, this prophet was dealing with a lot of struggle himself concerning not only the nation, but also his own life as an Israelite. Not only all of that, he was having to be the one that was telling the nation of Israel the judgments of God, and guess what that did for him? It didn't make him very popular, especially when he was talking about the judgments that were going to come upon the nation. And so again, we look at Jeremiah, and, and, and he was a real man, just like you and I. He, he, the, the, the power that he had was given to him by God. That's it. Other than that, he was a real man. I mean, he had struggles. He had, he had doubts. He had all these things. He had emotions. All of these things were real in Jeremiah's life. And so when we read uh, this, this chapter that we're going to look at here in, in Lamentations chapter 3, we have to take that into account. Yes, he was inspired by God. Yes, he was a prophet of God. Yes, he had power from God, but he was also a real man. And we see some of that in his writing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of work backwards. We're going to eventually, if, if we have time, get to the whole chapter. But I want you to look in Lamentations chapter 3 and look at verse 18. And look what he says. He says, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. The, did you hear what this prophet just said? He was saying, I'm in such a place in my life right now that, that the strength that I have and my, the confidence that I once had in God seems to be gone. And look what he says, what, what brought him, remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood, or another word for, for bitterness, and the gall. He was in such a bad state in his life, in such a, a, a difficult place that he said, you know what, I, I don't even know if, if I know what it is to have strength and confidence in the Lord anymore right now. Because all I can bring to mind that I'm going through is affliction and difficulty and bitterness and gall. These circumstances are surrounding me, and, and it seems like they're getting the best of me because I don't know if I know what it is to have strength in the Lord anymore. Look what he says in verse 20. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me, or in other words, is bowed down in me. I'm, I'm feeling defeated. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to, to really be defeated, feeling, feeling defeated. It can be due through, through different things. Again, circumstances coming upon you and you just feel like, man, is it worth it? Maybe you ask the question, man, I don't, like I said Sunday, maybe I don't hear God. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm struggling right now. But look what happens in verse 21. But this I recall to my mind. And therefore, have I hope. My, my hope is restored when I call this to mind. Look, right now the way I'm feeling is I don't feel like I have strength. I don't feel like I have confidence. I don't even know if I remember what it is to be in that place of strength in God and confidence in God. I don't even know if I, if I remember that because all I feel right now is all these negative things. And then he says this, but if I, if I go to that place in my mind and I recall in my mind, then it starts to restore that confidence in God again. Where does he go? Where does he go in his, in his mind to get back to that place of strength and confidence in God? Look what he says. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. Another version says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Or because of the steadfast love of the Lord, we are not cut off. His mercies never come to an end. 
His mercies never come to an end. His compassions fail not. His love never ceases. And it's only because of his steadfast, unchanging love for us that we're not utterly cut off in, in this life. So I, I think we sometimes get it backwards. I'll talk about that in just a second. But look as he goes on in verse 23. He says, they're new every single morning. And he makes this declaration. Great is thy faithfulness. Again, Paul was telling the Thessalonians, remember, they were struggling with some things in their own life. Paul's writing this letter, and now he's near the end of this letter, and he's kind of wrapping it up. And so he makes this declaration, God is faithful. The Lord is faithful. You need to remember that. The Lord is faithful. And again, we look at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah in his struggle remembers that it's only because of God's mercy and his compassion to us that we're not utterly cut off in this life. And he says this, Every single morning, his mercy and his compassion comes, and he's faithful, and, he's, and great is his faithfulness. And then he makes this declaration in this, in this remembrance. He says, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. He's everything. I have not, he is my everything. Therefore, because he is my everything, I will hope in him. I'm not going to hope in my circumstances. I'm not going to hope in how I feel. I'm not going to hope in, 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 in things getting better or, or things leveling off. I'm not going to have confidence in any other thing. He says, I am going to hope in him because he's my everything. It's only because of his mercy and his love that I'm not cut off in this life. He is everything to me. And so look what he says in verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation and the rescue, the deliverance of the Lord. Now again, we know that in our salvation, we've already, that's already happened. God has saved us. If we put our, we realize that, that God so loved the world, that Jesus came, he died on the cross, and, and as, as God in that fleshly body paid for the price of our sin on our behalf, he was put in a grave, he rose again that third day, and if we would surrender our life to him, trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, that we are saved. We, we, we are born again at that moment that we, that we let go of control of our life and give control of God, uh, give control of our life to God, trusting in Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection. At that moment, we're born again. At that moment, we are delivered from death, from the penalty of death. At that moment, we are redeemed. At that moment, we are justified. At that moment, our life is completely changed and we become a new creature. But it doesn't mean that we don't go through difficulty, that we don't go through hardships, that we don't go through uh, painful experiences and, and distresses and struggles and, and all these things in our life. And again, the nation of Israel did. God was bringing judgment upon them. Jeremiah was struggling as a prophet himself. And he was saying, look, what I have done in my struggle is I've remembered that God is my portion. I remembered that he is my everything, that every single day he floods me with compassion. Every single day he floods me with mercy. Every single day he is my everything, and he's faithful. Great is his faithfulness. And he said in, in this declaration, he says, you know what? God is good to those that wait for him. He, he, he's good to those that, that seek him. And it's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Again, I want to remind you that the Thessalonians, they were in great persecution. They were experiencing peril, if you will, as Paul said. And so Paul has turned 
to request something of the Thessalonians in this situation. He's wrapping up, again, this letter of exhortation, this letter of encouragement to them. And so as means of farewell, he's reminding them that it's not Paul they need to depend upon. It's not Paul that they need to put all of their confidence in. It's not anything. It's the Lord that's going to bring them spiritual success. To the, he's going to bring it to them, and he would bring spiritual success through them. Again, that's why he's making this declaration. He is faithful. It's his faithfulness. It, it, was, it, it was the message for them. It's the message for us. He is faithful. Point number one tonight is this. That God's faithfulness is foundational to our spiritual success. God's faithfulness is foundational for our spiritual success. In other words, we have no spiritual success outside of the faithfulness of God. Because God is faithful, we can have any type of spiritual success. Again, it is because of God and his faithfulness that we can do anything of value. We couldn't do anything at all in this life, period, especially spiritually speaking, without the faithfulness of God to do and to be who he is. We have no sanctification without his faithfulness to conform us into the image of his son. There's, 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 there's nothing there. We have no knowledge without his faithfulness to reveal his word to us. We have nothing. We have no, no, no uh, relationship. We have no forgiveness. We have no justification, no redemption without his faithfulness to his purpose and to his cause. 1 Corinthians, again, this was used last week, verse 26, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble have called. God uses people. That's, that's who he uses. He, he uses you still today. He uses us still today. That's, that's what God ha has done from the very beginning. Matter of fact, when he created Adam and Eve, he gave them a job. Could God have just kept the garden himself? Absolutely. But God gave to Adam and Eve some responsibility because he wanted to, for, for them to have that. He, it was part of their interaction, part of their relationship with God and submitting to him and obeying him and, and, and serving him as God and as their Lord. He gave them a job. Could God just save everybody on this earth? Absolutely. He could if that's what he decided to do. And matter of fact, he came and he died so that everybody would. But we realize the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We realize that people who have never heard the gospel, it's our responsibility to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. God has given us responsibilities. He's given us jobs. He's given us things to do. But again, we can do nothing of spiritual value, of nothing of, uh, that, that's considered spiritual success, without God. And God uses unsuspecting people. He doesn't, he doesn't go to, uh, remember David? King David? He goes and, and, and he tells the, uh, the priest, nope, not him, not him, not him, not him. Finally gets to David, this ruddy, short little kid out keeping the sheep. And he says, that's the one. You know, man would look at this and think, hey man, Reuben, he's strong, he's the oldest. He's, hey, use him. He's got more wisdom. He, he, he's got more experience. He would probably be a better king than, than David. I mean, look at David. And that's what, 
Paul was re reminding the Corinthians of when he said that. Look, you've you, you got to know that there's not many wise men after the flesh, according to man's, man's wisdom. Uh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Here's the reason why, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God uses unsuspecting people at unsuspecting times. God uses those things that, that man looks at and says, that doesn't make any sense. That, I wouldn't do that at all. Matter of fact, it goes on and says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You know what that's saying? That Jesus Christ was made for us, or he, he, was, he was to us everything that we needed for any type of spiritual right standing with God. He says that. Wisdom, righteousness, right standing with God, sanctification, and redemption. Without Jesus Christ, we have none of those things. The reason why? That God chose to do it like this? He's in verse 31. But according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory only in the Lord. I, I, no matter how many people that, that, that I may share the gospel, no matter how many people you may share the gospel with, how many people you may lead to the Lord, how, how many songs you may sing or lessons you may teach or, 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 or uh, ministries you may serve in, there's no glory that we can take for ourselves. There's nothing that we can say, well, well I did, no, 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 no. God allowed me. Not I did. God allowed me. God is faithful. He is faithful, and, and he, again, He's the one that does these things. He's the one that provides these things. He's the one that is faithful to give us all these things. See, Jesus is key to our everything concerning spiritual success. He's key to everything. I, 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 can, I can boast of nothing in myself. Nothing. I have no spiritual value in myself. The Bible says that, that Jesus is everything that's of spiritual value to us wisdom righteousness redemption sanctification that's everything of spiritual value and it's jesus that is that to us so the question i have tonight is this and i don't even know that we're going to get to point number two but the question i have in all this is if god's faithfulness is what we have to have for spiritual success what keeps us from spiritual success? From victory in our walk every single day. What, what keeps us from that? What, from, from having fruit in our spiritual lives and in our, in our walk, what keeps us from that? Well, sin is the short answer, and it's true. Sin, we'll say that. But I believe it also involves forgetting forgetting of God's faithfulness why why would why would anybody struggle in this life when they have the greatest resource for victory in in this life why why would any Christian why would any of us ever struggle to walk in spiritual victory if we had everything we needed for spiritual victory God is faithful his faithfulness Jesus has been made all these things so why would anybody why would any of us ever get to a place where we felt like I'm discouraged I'm, I'm, I'm disconnected I'm disenchanted I, I'm, I'm not walking in spiritual victory I'm not walking in encouragement why would why would any of us ever get to that place 
Again, I, I think it ha- involves us forgetting. You remember what, what Jeremiah said? Because I was in this place, and then I remembered. I brought to, back to my memory who God is and what his character is and what he's done for me. He's faithful. And not only is he just faithful, great is his faithfulness. See, if you and I constantly remember and we have absolute trust in God and we have absolute confidence in his faithfulness, in the truth that he is faithful, if that's where we constantly go in every circumstance and every season and every mountain and every valley, then there isn't a circumstance that we'll ever go through that will move us in this life. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing that even if we went through the, the darkest of trials, we still remained unmoved? I believe it's possible. I'm not saying that we, we, we go through this life without feeling things. I was talking this, this afternoon or this morning with Brother Turner, and, and, and I, was, I was talking about, you know, it, it's not that um, we, we, we look at the things that we go through and we say, oh, this, this is so pleasant to me. And, you know, I, I love this. This is miserable. I love this. You know, it's not, it's not like that we, we, we are immune or, or we're, we're um, delusional concerning our emotions and, and the things that we go through, through in circumstances. But I think, as James said, that we could count it all joy when we do go through various trials because of who we know and what we know. If, if my life is going to be used in any way at all. If your life is going to be used in any way at all for any eternal good or for any eternal value. And, and let me say this with this. That's what every single one of us should be striving for. I want my life to have eternal value. I want, I want my life to be used for eternal good. Because you know what? I, I realize that one day everything in this life is just going to go away. And then there's eternity. And the the things that our life was used for, for that regard, is what's going to matter. And so I want my life to be used in a way that has eternal value and is eternally good. If it's going to be that, then it's going to be because of God. He's faithful. He is faithful. Just as it was with the Thessalonians, it is still today. And just as it was with them, it still is for us as well. He's faithful. God will use us. He'll use the base things. He'll use the unexpected things. He'll use the, the, the weak things and, and, and all those things that we, we read. Absolutely, he is faithful. He'll show up every day, and his mercies and his, and his compassions will be the thing that, does it, that keeps us from being cut off, utterly cut off from the earth. Absolutely, God is faithful. God is faithful to help us and to strengthen us, do all those things. But, again, as it was with the Thessalonians, so it is with us today. It's dependent upon our character as well and our response to God's faithfulness. God has promised that he'll do everything that he's promised to do to help us in this life. And he's already done it. He's provided it. He's helped us. He helps us even today. So when we consider this, essentially, our faithfulness to God is the key factor in it all. God's faithful. That doesn't change with circumstances. That doesn't change with anything. 
That doesn't change with time. God is always faithful. He'll always be faithful. Nothing will change that. Nothing can change that because he is God. What does change, though, is our faithfulness to him. He's faithful every day. He shows up. He does what, what he's promised. But we don't always do that. The apostles were given the responsibility of handling the truth. They were delivered the gospel. They were delivered the truth. They were spoken to by the Holy Spirit, directly given instructions by Christ himself. The apostles were given the mission of the church. Almost 2,000 years ago. This was also passed to the church as a whole as the apostles were taken to glory in this transition period of Christ, given that to the apostles and the church. And of course, the apostles would eventually be taken home. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we see the importance of faithfulness to God. We see the importance of the responsibility that he's given to us as his servants. Not servants to sin, not servants to self, servants to to him look what it says in first verse 1 and first corinthians 4 let a man so account of us as the ministers of christ and stewards of the mysteries of god and then he makes this statement moreover it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful it's required paul again was an apostle his missionary team uh, that they were, they were given this great responsibility of planning the first churches, of, of seeing this go on. But again, as he was instructed of the Holy Spirit and wrote down what you and I are even going through today, it's passed on to the churches, and the responsibility is still given to us to be stewards of God himself, to be the servants. We have this great responsibility in this life. And Paul said, just as it was with him, it's required and stewards, people who have been entrusted with something, to handle something, to do something, to take care of something. Again, as we said a while ago, God has given us all that job. He gave it to Adam and Eve. He's given us responsibility in the church to handle the word of God, to, to share the gospel, the light of the glorious gospel of the world, uh, to edify each other, to encourage each other, to exhort one another so much more as we see the day approaching. Why? So that we can accomplish that mission, so we can be those stewards that are found faithful. Again, Paul goes, he says this, but, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about being judged of you. I'm not worried about man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. I realize I'm not even my own judge. For I know nothing by myself. Look, think about that. The Apostle Paul, he realized, I have nothing because of me. I have nothing. Yet, am I not here, hereby justified? Because he realizes that he that judges me is the Lord. The Lord is the judge. God has given us everything. It's every, everything revolves around him. Again, God is our everything, and God is faithful. So now I want to ask you a question, and I want you to really listen to it, and I want you to really consider it and answer it with, with, with honesty and sincerity because this is something that God challenged me with in getting ready for this message, and I feel like that every single one of us who are Christians should answer this question. Does your faithfulness to God reflect the faithfulness of God to you? Does your faithfulness to God reflect the faithfulness of God that he shows to you?
Every day he shows up and fills your lungs with air. It's a gift of God. Every day that you're living, he's telling your heart to beat. I realize that we we have this life and, and, and God has created our bodies, but God is the author of life. He's the giver of life. He's the taker of life. He, he, he is life, period. Again, we, we've talked about it before. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You have, you have the, 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 the intellect, the, uh, the abilities, the, the skills. You have uh, this, 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 this time that you were born in, this nation. All of these things were nothing that you created for yourself. Everything. A gift of God. And again, he shows up day after day. And, and, and the amazing thing is, those of us who have given our life to him, there's nothing that we could ever do to be plucked out of his hand. He's faithful. He promised it. I'll give you eternal life. He's faithful. That's an amazing thing. And so when, when considering the faithfulness of God, does my faithfulness to him reflect his faithfulness to me? Does it look like how faithful? They say, yeah, but we're not God. I mean, we can't be as faithful. But shouldn't we strive for that? Shouldn't we strive to be faithful to God as he is faithful to us? Again, without God's faithfulness, we couldn't do anything. We are nothing especially anything of value, of spiritual value. Remember what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6? He said this, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon this earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust can, can corrupt. For where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Man, we're struggling when we're not thriving in our Christian lives, when we're not seeing spiritual success, when, we're not, when we feel like, man, I feel like I'm stumbling, I'm definitely not running the race of faith, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really having anything good right now in my, in my spiritual life. When we're in that place, where do we run? Honestly, answer that question. When I'm struggling... When, I, when, I, when I'm really struggling to, to show up at church, when I'm really, when I'm really struggling to, to have a right mind, when I'm really struggling with this lust, when I'm really struggling with this sin, when I'm really struggling with, with these circumstances of my life, where do we run? Honestly, where do we go? Do we, do we go to God or do we run away from Him? Do we run away from His church? Again, that strength, that body. Do we run to the Word or do we run to the world? What's the thing that we often pray about when we are struggling with something? When we're feeling weak in, in something, what do we pray for? Strength. God, I need your strength. God, I need your help. God, I, I, I'm dealing with this right now. I really need, I really need strength with this. And, and the amazing thing to me is this. Even as Christians who have supposedly experienced the power, the saving power of, of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit coming in and transforming us, making us a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. We've experienced the hand of God. We know what it's like to, to have one life and then be changed and to be, to be the child of God, the children of God. We've experienced this amazing power in our life, salvation, supposedly. But when we go through a time of struggle where we need this power, 
Maybe we turn to books. They say, I don't turn to books. Maybe you turn to YouTube or Google. I'm just, I'm going to find out. Or maybe we turn to people. I'm going to talk to them. I know they, I was, I was um, talking with, with someone this week and this, disheartened to hear that a couple is going through struggles in their, in their marriage. And one of them doesn't want to split up. The other one wants to split up. And the one that wants to split up is seeking counsel from somebody who is not godly and from somebody who's gone through the same circumstance as they've gone through. And guess what it's doing to them? It's feeding that desire to do what pleases the flesh, that, 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 that in, 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 uh, um, brings joy to, to, to the self, to you know, all those things. It's not pleasing to God. It's not in accordance with God's will. It's none of those things. But that's what, even, that's what Christians do sometimes. We, we go through a struggle, and we don't, we don't run to God. We don't run to the faithful one. We don't run to the strength. We don't run to the power that changed our life. We sometimes run to those people who maybe have gone through certain things, and we say, well, maybe they can help me in this time. I'm not saying that God, again, God uses people. But why would we not first and foremost and with, with, with the greatest passion and with the greatest expectation and the greatest confidence in our life, why would we not go to God and as, as, as Jeremiah said in Lamentations, wait patiently on God? So God, I, I'm not moving from this place of your feet. I'm not moving from this place of ex expectancy in you. I'm not moving from, from my absolute confidence in you. I'm not moving from here until you direct my steps. Until you do something in my life because you are my strength. You are my hope. You are, you are faithful. You are my God. I'm, I'm going to wait on you. I'm seeking you. Again, look back in Lamentations when, when you get a chance. Think about what he's saying. God is, is near. He's, he, he's there. He helps those that wait patiently on them, that, that, him, that seek him. But that's where we, we, we mess up. I think oftentimes we try to go somewhere else or go to another source or, or find a, a quicker answer to our problem and therefore not truly surrender to God being our strength. He is my strength. He is my help. Again, maybe because we have an expectation of what strength looks like, right? Maybe, maybe we have an idea of what, what we need in this time. See, we, we got this problem, and in our human minds, we think, here's my problem. The answer to my problem is this. For instance, I've got a marital problem, just like in that situation. I've got a marital problem. I'm not happy. I want to be happy. Be happy. Everyone desires to be happy. I deserve to be happy. This person says I need to be happy, and so I just need to leave that situation so I can be happy. That's not the answer. Wait at God's feet. Trust in God's way. Wait for him, wait patiently for him to move. So that's, I don't like that though, because how long am I supposed to wait? A year, two years, three years? I mean, the rest of my life? What if it was the rest of our life? We don't like that challenge. We don't like that, 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 that thought. 
well, I, I, I couldn't do that for the rest of my life. Well, maybe not you, but the strength that God gives you, he could. It, to, to, be, to stay in God's will versus doing something that, that just relieved the pain, it wasn't necessarily in God's will or, or very blatantly was not in God's will, but you just did it because you wanted relief and you wanted it sooner than you were willing to, to wait for. I just want to do it like this. I, don't, I, do, I, I, don't, I can't do it. Again, maybe it's because we have this expectation of what strength or what answer we need or when that comes, or even how it's used. I want to ask the musicians to come. I'm not going to get to the next point because there's too much in that, but that's where Paul is, is leading to in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. His, his first declaration is, the Lord is faithful. And if you look there in that next part of it, he says, who shall establish you? Who shall strengthen you? He'll be your strength. Again, Paul, I'm not always going to be with you. I'm not always going to be there to help you. I'm not always going to be there to instruct you. But the Lord, he is faithful, and he will strengthen you. Tonight, I, I, I hope that you, you ask that question to yourself, or you um, consider that question that I asked a while ago, and maybe we're either challenged, or you say, you know what, I, right now, I'm not faithful to God at all. Maybe, maybe the Lord brought conviction in this or maybe you're is what i was saying well ago maybe you're going through a circumstance and and you're not wanting to wait on god to give you the strength you're not wanting to, to wait on god to give you direction you are just wanting to find the relief you are just wanting to get the answer you are just wanting to move on yourself wherever it is or whatever it is that god uh, has has given to you and i, I want to encourage you to respond because uh, we're we're living in desperate times and the church right now needs to depend upon God more than ever. There's so many, even in the church realm, there's so many answers to problems that aren't biblical. We need to be the people that are turning to God. We need to be the people that are being faithful to God, and our faithfulness needs to reflect his faithfulness to, to us. And so, is it? That's the question. Is your faithfulness to God, does it reflect his faithfulness to you? And let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for being faithful, Lord. And we thank you for even the faithfulness of hearing our prayers. Lord, you're faithful to, to, to be there, to listen to us, for us to call on. And Lord, when we're desperate and we need help, and we thank you for that. Lord, I know for me there's been times that I've tried to just fix things myself and try to find an answer myself and because I felt like there was an urgency and maybe rushed things, made a mess of things, made mistakes. Lord, you've never failed. You've never faltered. You've never been unfaithful. And I thank you for being our God who is faithful. Lord, help, help us as your people to be so dedicated and devoted to you that when we go through the struggle, that we go through the trial, that we too remember just how faithful you are that we too remember who you are and we find our encouragement and our strength in you and you alone. Lord, I don't know who's going through what tonight as far as everybody in this room, but you do. And so if there's someone here tonight that's struggling, I pray that they would run to you tonight, that they wouldn't try to handle it in their own strength, that they wouldn't turn to another source, but God, they would turn to you 
and they would depend on you. And, and, and not just for a season, not just for a day, not just for uh, a week or even a year, but they would wait patiently for you, expecting of you. Lord, we pray that you'll just move now in this invitation. Help us respond rightly to your word. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.